Blog Talk Radio.
Father, Father God, we thank you so much. We praise you, Lord God, for choosing us for the days that we are in now. Father, we don't understand. We don't. We we look at the things that are happening across the world, and we see, depending on which way we look at it, uh, things are getting much worse in certain areas. But on in other areas, they seem to be diminishing, and and uh, and uh, opportunities are arising for more and more of your people to awaken in the midst of the darkness that we are uh, surrounded by and, and appears to be enclosing in on us. Uh, but at the same time, Father God, we have been seeing these things happening over the last 11 years. We have had um, intense uh, uh, ramp-ups of war dynamics that have occurred multiple times over the last 11 years. We have had prophecies, dreams, and visions that have strongly indicated that we were at the very end of times that we were going to depart at any moment, that the rapture was absolutely beyond imminent. Uh, we've had, you know, uh, endless streams of prophecy, dreams, and visions that indicated that horrific things were going to break loose and that there were going to be, uh, you know, that, that the big, you know, like we've referred to before, Father, in prior shows, the big red lever was going to be pulled and that there was going to be no turning back. But yet, at the times that we are in right now, we look around the things that are happening around the world and we say, Father, we, we you know, what it what's going on you know are we are we progressing forward have you induced labor are you going to relent are you going to pull back are is the judgment are the judgments going to continue forward and and how do we behave you know do we prepare how do we prepare do we just prepare with food and 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 things you know in, sto- in storage and items in our garages or do we pre- do we prepare for a longer stay here on the earth to continue to do your work and to touch other people's lives and love and and kindness and mercy and 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 by giving credit all the credit to who deserves all of the credit which is our lord jesus christ as we touch other people's lives and give and um and do good things as we've been instructed and as we as we are led to through the feelings of our heart 
through the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ that has become a part of us. Uh, through the, the years of time that hopefully we've been spending on our knees praying that we would uh, be converted, that we would fall in love with you, that we would be filled with the very presence of our Lord Jesus in, the, in, 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 in every part of our, our lives. And Father, we just don't, you know, we, we, all we can say is that we surrender into your hands. We hold, you know, all parts of our lives, all things that we, you know, we want to be good stewards. We want to have good stewardship that, you know, that, that is instructed of us in the book of, you know, Proverbs and other places in the Bible. We want to do the right things. We want to, uh, you know, uh, prepare for uh, the long haul and to occupy. But at the same time, Father, um, you know, we, we, you know, we, we, it, it's very, very difficult to understand exactly where we ought to be putting all of our effort or the vast majority of our investments of our time and our um, uh, our money and our giving into the kingdom and all the different things that, that we have to do to, in order to uh, be good stewards of uh, the gifts that you have given us, uh, that we can touch other people's lives through our giving, through our touching, through our love, through our compassion, through being like Jesus. Uh, and and at the same time, have our priorities in order and, you know, uh, make the right choices at the right times. Father, it is, it is virtually impossible. And we, so for that matter, uh, and, and, and in accordance with those dynamics, which we cannot possibly predict, nor do we understand, we simply turn it all over to you. We, we lay at the foot of the cross uh, all of our problems, all of our worries, all of our concerns, whether or not we're going to retire, whether we'll have the money to be able to keep our houses, whether we'll become homeless. We're going to just lay it at the foot of the cross. We're going to give it all to you, Father, and we're going to just pray in the name of Jesus that if there's a point in our walk, anything in our walk that uh, that that causes us to veer off course, that is not in accordance with your will, that you will help guide us and straighten out our path, Father, as you say in Proverbs 3, 5, uh, that if we trust you, that you will make our path straight, and we just pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that you will continue to make our path straight as we lay down willingly our lives, willingly our concerns, willingly our worries, uh, and just put them at your at the foot of the cross. We hand them over to you, Lord Jesus, and we trust you uh, to lead us and guide us to open the doors that we need to have opened in our lives and to slam shut the doors that we do not want to walk through, and we have to trust you and we want to trust you, Father. We want to be at, at, at your very feet. We want to be at the very feet of our Lord Jesus, and we want to be servant, uh, good foot washers of our fellow brothers and sisters, and, and also great prayer warriors uh, to pray for the lost in the days that we have left ahead of us. Because if there was anything that was worthy of investing in for our, uh, for our retirement, uh, it would be the eternal retirement retirement of being in your eternal rest and 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 accepting and and just bathing in the glory of of the wonderful things that we have to await us uh, throughout all of eternity let us father understand that pearl of great price father let us understand that that what that which is worthy of investing in is those things which are of the kingdom those things which are of your love and let us invest our prayer time uh in 
praying for the lost, our prayer time and spiritual warfare prayer time, uh, you know, to, for the, the smashing of the demonic and the taking out of the devil and, and, and destroying the works therein. And we just pray, Father God, that you will lead us and guide us as we lay down our lives, we lay down our desires, we lay down all the things of the earth that we would normally have to, uh, you know, uh, be concerned about and just hand them over to you and let you and trust you and, and, and allow you to guide us uh, through your divine will uh, as we as we progress forward into the days ahead. We do not understand what is going on today. We do not understand what is ha- happening next. We hold dear to our hearts the things that you have given to us. Surely the Lord God does nothing without first revealing it through his servants, the prophets, Amos 3, 7. We embrace that, Father God. We embrace it before the times of the uh, of the uh, seducing spirits being released in accordance with the Stanley Fraudstrom prophecy. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will continue to keep a, a, a very, very strong uh, outpouring and anointing of the Holy Spirit gift of faith, the Holy Spirit gift of discernment, and the Holy Spirit gift of love. Fill us, Father God, with these things right now. Fill us, Father God, and do not delay. We pray for your strength for the, to, to, to just imbu- to be imbued within us and to lift us up and to give us uh, the ability to go through this, you know, each day, one by one, but indeed, all throughout this next week, uh, at a very minimum, as we progress forward and watch the things that are happening across the world, not knowing what the next big event will be. We know it's coming. We praise your holy name for it. And we ask you, Father, only that we would be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Come and be holy. 
Well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I just wanted to shout out to every single buddy that made me cry this morning because I actually needed I needed it. Um, you know, behind, you know, you'll see sometimes for those of you who have been a part of churchianity for the vast majority of your life, as I have, um, uh, you know, you, you'll occasionally hear the pastor, the church or whatnot, um, you know, say, Hey, don't forget to pray for us because, you know, even we, you know, those who are, you know, pastoring the church and stuff need prayer as well. And I think that goes as an understatement. I think it's a colossal understatement, actually. Um, in fact, those who are, um, you know, taking the microphone, those who are standing at the podium, those who are um, really kind of, you know, putting the bayonet on their spiritual warfare rifles and charging into the demonic camp and, and uh, you know, really jamming the uh, the uh, metaphorical broom, broom handle into the, you know, murder hornet nest, um, you know, we're, we're, you know, clearly beyond any shadow of a doubt that we are you know we are typically it only makes sense you know the the greater of a threat that you are to satan the more he the more of his resources he's going to divert to taking you out and um praise god i just wanted to say thank you and i pray in the name of jesus a tenfold and i mean this with all of my heart father in the name of jesus i pray down a tenfold blessing of your holy fire tenfold blessing of your of 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 your protection i pray down a tenfold blessing of upon every single person who has lifted me up in prayer uh, over, uh, you know, over all of these years and particularly in the last few, um, because it's ongoing. Um, you know, I, I've, I, you know, we, we have been born and raised. Indeed, I have been. I, and I assume if I have been, then most likely maybe you have uh, in a world, in a Christianity walk, which I no longer agree with at all, uh, whereby, uh, you know, somebody asks for prayer, hey, can you pray for my little son Johnny or whatever? And, you know, the very next words out of our mouth are going to be, well, tell me how Johnny's doing, you know. So a week later, we, you know, the, the person asks, they throw out a fleece for prayer. And, um, the re, you know, the, the parishioners from your church will come to you and say, how's Johnny doing? What they're really asking you is, can you give me a confirmation that the prayer was answered? Okay, so they're looking for, they, they want to know the prayer was answered. And there's nothing wrong with that. They want a praise report. All right. Unfortunately, when you really, really understand spiritual warfare, uh, you know, prayers of the saints, the dynamics that are associated with our existence, our walk, our sanctification, um, you know, the threats that are associated with, um, you know, uh, the more you stir up the beehive and the murder hornet nest, the more you uh, teach other people spiritual warfare tactics, you become a bigger target. And that 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 that's very, very significant. There's no end to those prayers. You're not going to get a praise report. Okay, I'm just here to tell you, you know, you can't go back to somebody when somebody is, you know, out there with a you know a spiritual bayonet on their uh, on their sword of the spirit, if you will, and they're out there you know battling uh, you know uh, principalities and powers and spiritual host of wickedness and you calling down the holy fire of God and fire swords of cherubim and all that other stuff in their prayer lives. Okay, and they're asking for prayer over you know their Achilles heel. In my case, it's it's my, my Achilles heel mostly is my job, um, and, and um, you know and and I'm I'm not shy about asking for continuous prayer over that. And I praise God for everyone who is who has even mentioned me uh, in regard to that. Now uh, it probably keeps a radio show going. Uh, you know I, I'm not interested in your money. I don't want any. Uh, you know if you want to give, give to Pipes International. That's that'd be my recommendation. Uh, praise God. Um, but um, 
but the point I'm trying to make is I just wanted to say a special word of thanks to um, the the really noteworthy number of people that emailed me um, after listening to the the Friday night prayer vigil, this one that we did on uh, that I did on uh, on the fourth. Okay, the evening of the fourth. Um, praise God. And I've renamed it on uh, on uh, BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash tribulation dash now. Um, and I've renamed it. Now it's entitled instead of just prayer vigil and communion service praise jesus um it is now named prayer vigil and communion service you know bracket prayer teaching and testimony um i've i i have discovered that by alternating and i i don't really do this with intention okay i don't say well this time i'm going to do a prayer vigil that is just prayers and this time i'm going to do some kind of a funky teaching on something or another or on applied christianity or some testimony from my past life or whatever the case is, I don't plan anything. I don't plan. I I never, ever, ever plan diddly. The only thing this... Since since pretty much July or August of 2011, this radio program, this particular podcast, radio program, whatever you want to call it, it we have never, ever, ever pre-planned anything other than maybe the title of the radio show and maybe who we might be bringing on as a guest. And in fact, uh, not only that, but we very rarely pre-plan what the guest is going to talk about. We always give latitude, and that'll get us in trouble sometimes, okay? And it has historically. Um, so we try the best that we can to make sure that the guest doesn't have, you know, things on their website about how much they hate Israel or things on their website about how much they adore their AK-47 and they can't wait to shoot and kill and murder and maim and torture as many people as they possibly can in the name of Jesus. Okay, you know, we're like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, this might not be a very good guest to have on. Because I know uh, from the emails that I've gotten over the years that people will take any guest that we bring on the show and they will say, well, hey, Johnny, you know, and, and the group, uh, they, they, you know, certify this individual's being, you know, holy and righteous. And so I should look into all the things that they, and so they go to their YouTube channel and they start looking at every one of their YouTubes. And then eventually, well, you know, over time, I will get an email from somebody that says, did you know that so-and-so doesn't even believe in the rapture? I've even had people on, you know, and, and I don't want to get into like, you know, here's the thing, you know, if you want to debate when the rapture is going to happen or whatever the case is, you know, go ahead, fine, talk about it. If you want to believe that the rapture is going to happen, you know, 40 years from now or whatever the case is, that's fine. But just, just remember that you are going to be held accountable by, by the Lord for what's called tripping up your brother. You don't really want to be dragging people into the dirt and not – we need to be encouraging one another, okay? But you, but also on the same side of that coin, you also don't want to be encouraging some somebody with a bunch of boulder dash. Okay. So, you know, if, you, if you're like, you know, predicting the rapture to happen every two weeks or every three weeks or whatever the case is, or every, every uh, September or whatever the case is, and you've been wrong like 40 times or a hundred times in the last several years, then you might want to rethink what you're doing because you're not doing the, 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 the body of Christ any favors, uh, you know, at all. 
Okay, what you're doing is you're calling into question our credibility as a collective group of believers in Jesus, which of course makes it very difficult to lead others to the Lord because they're going to clump us all into the same group and go, oh, you're a part of that whole group that believes, you know, the earth is pink, purple, polka dotted, you know, this, that, and, the, and, and you know what? And then what happens is our credibility is lost, and then you lose your opportunity to lead somebody to Jesus. Okay, and that that's not a good thing. Okay, so um, and so you don't want to be tripping up your brother. So at least you want to look at that dynamic. You don't want to be causing somebody to be getting depressed and super sad or whatever the case is, and then they go into the pits and you know uh, and fall into sin or backslide or you know start shaking their fist at God or whatever the case is. You know you, we don't want to be doing that. You know we want to be encouraging one another. But on the flip, on, on the same side again, we also don't want to be over encouraging people with, you know, oh, the Lord told me that uh, we're going to get, you know, raptured next week on Wednesday at eight o'clock. You know, that, you know, anytime somebody mentions a specific time or they mention a month or whatever the case is, you can pretty much throw that in the trash. Okay, there's a 100% failure rate associated with anybody who picks a, uh, you know, hey, this fall we're going to be raptured, or hey, this next week we're going to be, or by Christmas we're going to be this, or we're going to be that. There is a 100% failure rate, capital F failure rate, on every single thing that any Christian has ever said that was tied to a specific time window. Now you can say, yeah, well, well, we can know the season and everything, but what is a season? What is a generation? First Peter 2.9 says, uh, you are a royal pre- you know, you are a, you know, uh, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Well, that was written 2000, well, almost 2000 years ago. So if the people 2000 years ago were a chosen generation, then there you go. That kind of stamps out this notion that we can define a generation as 80 years. Anybody who says that, I'm sorry, but they're wrong. The Bible proves them wrong. All right. So anyway, so once you've been wrong like a bazillion times like me, hopefully, you know, you would be able to reduce your insanity quotient. Okay. You know, because if you repeat the same things over and over and again, expecting a different result, then that is the definition of insanity. Theoretically speaking, you know, it's, it's, it's colloquialism. And you know what? There's a little bit of truth to that. I mean, I, I, the, other, the other day, I kid you not, I even took a picture of it and I sent it to one of uh, the people that helped me behind the scenes with the radio show. And I was like, I was like thinking to myself, I was like, Lord, I can't believe it. I keep thinking the same thing. And I was like, I guess I must be insane. And it was funny because I was standing in the bathroom here on the side of the Golden GIB studios at the time. And um, when I said that, I said, Lord, I must be insane because I'm doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And I literally, I kid you not, I looked up and bam, my eyes locked on this um, on this uh, pre-workout mix drink thing that I have. Okay, it's called psychotic insane. It's actually what they have on the thing, but it's a it's a it's a workout. It's a pre-workout uh, you know, uh herbal supplement and it's in a little uh container and it actually had the word insane on it and it was so funny because there I was um, you know, I have a, a ice maker in there. I was getting some, you know, stuff and and refreshments and stuff and I I was like, "Lord, I I must be insane or something." And I looked up and over there and my eyes locked on the word insane right there on my pre-workout, um, you know, powder mix. 
And I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, the Lord is like letting me know I need to chill out. You know, and I think I think a lot of us do. I think I think, you know, it goes back to that whole Nepho thing. Um, you know, we got to we got to chill out. We got to look at, you know, I have so many people, folks. Oh, my goodness. So many people that are flipping out. They are really getting bummed out because they can't take the ups and downs. They, you know, they look at, you know, the the diminishment or the reduction or the uh, what would you call it when you go from this like peak of absolute insanity, absolute end of the world, absolute global judgment, absolute bioweapon attack against mankind of, you know, and it, it's, it's multifaceted. I mean, we're talking about a bioweapon attack whereby the actual bioweapon itself is being cured by another bioweapon that, it, that, that hasn't even manifested itself across the world in deaths yet. Uh, the, the number of deaths deaths that will occur uh, as a result of it and the multiple, uh, you know, booster shots and such of the mRNA stuff, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, we, how long is that going to be going on for? I mean, I'm seeing articles right now from very reputable medical um, uh, associations, et cetera, that are saying that there's already a measurable uptick in cancers. Um, they're seeing this, you know, don't even get me going on a statistic between 18, uh, you know, people between 18 and I think it's like 43 or something like that. I don't remember what the actual numbers are, but, you know, the age group is. But um, that, that demographic range, uh, the insurance companies are alarmed because they're already seeing a 40 to 60 percent increase in deaths, okay, in, you know, that age group. And they're going like, what's causing this? Um, so anyway, um, you know, we definitely live in really creepy, weird times, but, but at the same time, we're also seeing, um, I think it's 12 countries right now. I believe, uh, I have a report, uh, to share with you tonight about 12 countries that are dropping 100% of all of their COVID restrictions. All while at the same time, we have the truck apocalypse, uh, taking place up in Canada. And of course, everybody that I know who lives up in Canada thinks it's the end of the world and, and Jesus is going to come tomorrow because of the truck apocalypse, you know, thing going on. So it just depends on where you're geographically located as, as to what your, you know, feeling is about the temperature of the apocalyptic end times timeline. If you're in a place where, you know, you got trucks going beep, 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 and blocking all the roads and, and that's all you ever hear on the news all day long, then you're going to think, you know, oh my gosh, you know, oh my gosh. But if you're, you know, down here, you know, with uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, you know, running your, you know, state and all that kind of stuff, and you're not really in the middle of all that stuff, and you, and you can look at the global uh, end times dynamics with a little bit clearer of a head because you are not a, you know you're not surrounded by you know endless trucks blocking freeways and news reports all day long or or you know I don't have police uh, you know beating you over the head with a billy club because you live in Australia and you dared to walk outside of your house without a mask or you're in Australia and you're getting a 3,600 euro fine levied on you as a retiree because you didn't take the vaccine yet. Um, you know, and all this crazy weirdness that's going on around the world, but it's inconsistent crazy weirdness. That's the thing that really is is absolutely mind bending and drives a person up a wall is the fact that there's no consistency in it. All right. And that is really, really weird. But one thing that is consistent other than the inconsistency, which, by the way, is <laughs> been pretty, pretty consistent over the last 11 years um, is, um, you know, 
it, there seems to be a trend whereby the COVID stuff is decreasing as a net sum total. Okay, so if you were to look at all the things that are going on across the world, with you know, and you could somehow get outside of the noise of the trucks beeping their horns and uh, doing the truck apocalypse thing and all that. And you could, you know, if you were able to adequately divorce yourself from your own geographic um, demographic, okay, then and look at things on a global level with a clear mind with no bias associated with the things that may be associated with your locality, just in case you might be in one of those places in the world that is going through some weird, creepy stuff like Canada, Australia, and Austria. They're the, they're the big ones. Those are the big three right now. Um, and, uh, you know, then you would, you would look at it and you would say, well, you know, if I was to analyze the trending, okay, associated with the things that are going on on a global level with no bias whatsoever, I would be noting that there are now 12 countries, never mind how many states in the United States of Babylon the Great, but how many countries on top of that. So we got 12 countries that are dropping all of their COVID restrictions. We have, um, an untold number of red states in the United States of Babylon the Great that are dropping all of them. We even have a noteworthy collection of blue states or democratic, creepy, weird, shape-shifting reptilian states that are also dropping them as well because they can see the writing on the wall. They know the midterm elections are coming. Uh, you know, I think it was last at the last count, it was something like in the 20s, uh, more than 20 democratic um, incumbent uh, leaders, lawmakers are dropping out. I mean, they're literally retiring. They're just like, forget this noise, man. This is too creepy and weird for me. Um, you know, they get, you know, and they get insider information. You know, they realize that the January 6th uh, thing was uh, a setup. They, you know, they, once they get wind and they realize that they got sucker punched and pulled into a riptide of lies, uh, they're like, you know what, I better get out while the getting's good because this is going to get really ugly. And they are going to lose power uh, come the midterm elections unless there's a black swan event. And a black swan event, this is uh, predicted by General Wesley Clark, and he's an expert on the worst case scenario kind of thing, and I kind of dig that. And um, he's saying that he, he personally believes that there's going to be some type of a black swan event that is going to stop the midterm elections, which would allow the Republicans to take power uh, back in the United States of Babylon the Great. All right. Uh, you know, and, and, um, uh, but, but again, and, and you might say, well, what's a black swan event? Well, what that is, is that's a false flag event, something horrific. You know, for example, if, if the um, uh, shape-shifting reptilian that calls itself Biden, uh, that is being ordered around by the Antichrist that calls itself Obama, uh, which we know is Barry Sartori, Okay, so we're, we're talking about some seriously dark, sinister, filthy lies that can't, you know, lies upon lies upon lies upon lies upon lies upon, lies upon generations of lies. All right, then, then when, you, when you realize what's actually going on, you say to yourself, well, golly gee whiz, you know, um, you know are they going to actually let go of all the progress that they've made in their, 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 their you know, Mariana Trench of lies? Okay, you know, they, you know all these examples. Executive orders and things, you know, that, that, that we know that Trump will reverse. 
I mean, really, within the first three weeks, if he gets reelected in 2024, you can pretty much expect that within the first month, give or take, of his time in the presidency, he will be reversing 100% of all of the executive orders that were signed by the reptilian entity that refers to itself as Biden with its diaper on. All right. And then, you know what? And um, and but then on the other hand, flip, flip side of that, you've got plenty of information that impeaches Donald Trump and implies strongly that he very well may not be as dumb as he seems to be. Uh, and uh, he is actually a part of this uh, choreographed demonic takeover or destruction of the United States in accordance with the new, new Atlantis, uh, Sir Francis Bacon, 16, what was it, 48 or whatever, and all that weirdness. So, you know, this all may be orchestrated. Trump may actually be in on it. We don't really, uh, we don't really know. All we know is that we are citizens of heaven, uh, Philippians 3.20, and we praise God for that. We shouldn't be flying a flag. It's not about that. It's about, you know, the only reason we're asked to pray in Timothy and, and Romans 13 uh, for our leadership is so that we are able to serve God unhindered. All right. That's the reason for it. it. You know, it's not all these cockamamie reasons that people come up with and try to preach and turn it into some kind of a whacked out gospel of some type or some twist on the scripture. No, it, it, the whole reason behind us praying for our leadership, praying for the leaders of our country or wherever we are, Mozambique, Namibia, wherever it is you may be living, is because, we're, you know, we have a job to do. And that job is to serve our Lord Jesus. And if we've got, you know, people riding, you know, horses through the streets, killing us all, uh, well, it kind of makes it a little bit harder to be able to preach Jesus to people and, you know, touch people's lives and do good things. So that's what it's all about. It's all about the mission of the kingdom. It's not about, you know, um, you know, that, well, you know, we're supposed to pray for Trump or we're supposed to pray for Biden. We're supposed to pray for whatever. You know, it's not about that. It's about doing the mission of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. But I, anyway, I wanted to circle back once again and thank every single person who took the time to listen to the prayer vigil from this last uh, from the fourth um, uh, I was led to I don't know I just was led to start talking about and giving testimony about um, the kinds of things that happen to you when you become a true prayer warrior and why you pray the way that you pray and what and, and why the why do I pray the way that I pray uh, and also to explain the repercussions and the things that you will likely have to go through as a result of turning up the volume on the power of your prayer. Okay. So anyway, um, I received a remarkable, really quite noteworthy number of emails that were, that made me just cry. Uh, you know, I was so very, very touched um, by them. Uh, and I thank every one of you that did take the time to write those to to me because I sat there in just absolute unbelief and um, I, I couldn't believe it and I knew that the Lord was touching me he was encouraging me through all of you that it, it took the time to, to to do so and I just wanted to say thank you God bless you in the name of Jesus I pray that you will anoint every one of them that you will touch every one of them that you will bless every one of them, that you will protect every one of them and their family and just prosper them, Father God. And we know that prosperity isn't about buying a new car, Father, but we pray that that prosperity is your divine protection, your divine um, uh, 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 you know, uh, anointing upon our lives, that we would draw in closer to you, please you, walk within your will, and be able to do the things that you want us to do. And think about it like this, folks. Okay, and this is one of the things that I said to one of the 
people that 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 wrote me and and just blessed me beyond words was that you know when you think about it when you think about it in the terms of investing in your retirement becoming a really great prayer warrior and praying for the lost um that's like the best retirement package you could ever ask for. I don't care if you're 67 years old or you're 70 years old or you're 75 years old, but I spent 40 plus years in and out of churchianity, and I'm talking about relatively, relatively good churches in churchianity, you know, Assembly of God, Pentecostal, that kind of thing, full of the Holy Spirit, theoretically, uh, whatever the case is, um, not ideally where I would want them to be, you know, and, and, you know, but I, you know, I have pretty high standards, you know, they're very scriptural in in that way. But the point is that um, uh, in all those 40 plus years that I spent in churchianity throughout my life, I never had one single pastor, preacher, or teacher of any type teach me how vitally crucial it is that we spend time in prayer, praying for one another, praying for the lost, in fact, in fact, and I, I could dig it up, I could look it up and read it to you verbatim, but I'll just give you the uh, the, the best from my memory. There is um, a testimony of a person that was in heaven, and they were um, uh, accompanied by an angel and flying over heaven and uh, over the various country mansions, <clears throat> you know, and um, and such. And the angel was kind of given uh, this this individual kind of like a grand tour of heaven and how beautiful it was and all that kind of stuff. And the angel pointed down to a, a particularly beautiful mansion where a man, a gentleman, was standing outside of the mansion, you know, whatever, doing, you know, messing around with uh, his lawn or, or the beautiful uh, flora and such, you know. And the angel told the person that was going on the tour of heaven, the angel said, I just want you to know that that man down there by that beautiful mansion was a pastor on the earth, but God did not give him that beautiful mansion because he was a pastor. God gave that man that beautiful mansion because of the way that he prayed for the lost while he was on the earth. Amen? Praise God. So talk about a pearl. Talk about all of the warnings, the admonishments, all of the things that Jesus told us about, all that, you know, investing in the things of the kingdom, keeping our mind stayed on things above and not on things of this earth. You know, um, all these admonishments all throughout the scripture and understanding, wow, what an amazing opportunity. I mean, I think about, oh my, 40 plus years in and out of Pentecostal, Assembly of God, tongue-speaking, Holy Spirit-filled churches, and not once, not once did I get one teaching, not a one, about the importance of praying and how to pray, okay? Uh, you know, the, the most I ever got was, well, if you pray more than once over a particular topic, then you obviously lack faith. And I'm like, see, now I know that that is like, that is a pile of boulder dash that is bigger than the average quarry, okay? If you could take that boulder dash and just dump it into a quarry, the quarry would be overfilled, all the quarry trucks would become completely invisible, and you would have a gigantic mound the size of, you know, you know uh, Mount Everest on top of the quarry. That's how much boulder dash that is. But they don't teach you that. 
We are blessed to know these things right now. Think about it. If you're 72 years old and you're listening to this program right now, what a blessing because you have an opportunity. It isn't like the 401k plan system that we have in place where if you don't start investing in your 401k when you're in your 20s, you're not going to have enough to retire by the time you're you know, 65 or whatever the case is. It isn't like that. It's not how it works. The kingdom is much more cool than anything that we have on earth. It is like a, take whatever we have on earth and like multiply it times 1,000 or 10,000, all right, and realize that if you're 72, if you're 75, it is not too late. You know, it's, it says in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 13, 14, 15 and such, it says, you know, that your works will be tested of, uh, by fire of what sort they are, not what quantity, but what quality they are. Now, consider that the vast majority of Christianity out there right now, 2 billion people out of the 8 billion people on this earth right now, if you put a piece of paper in front of them and said, what you know, religion are you? You know, are you atheist? Are you a Satanist? Are you a Christian? Whatever. 2 billion people would check the box and say that they were Christians. How many of those 2 billion do you think even know how important prayer is? And how huge your rewards are and will be in heaven as a result of making prayer a ministry. I do the reason why I do the prayer vigil and I do the teachings and the things and the testimonies and all that kind of stuff isn't because I'm, you know, sometimes it's just so that we can all get together and pray together and all that kind of stuff. That's a wonderful thing. Praise Jesus. And I'm very touched by that. Uh, you know, I feel the anointing. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'm just sitting there bawling and taking communion and all that kind of stuff because I'm really into it and the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit is all over me. All right. Praise God. And I hope that it, it also touches other people in the same way. But my primary goal is to raise up more prayer warriors. I want to kick the devil's butt into the next dimension, and I want all of his demons to be completely covered in sticky, super nanothermite, white-hot napalm, fire of God, fuego, hallelujah. I want them to burn and scream in, 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 in horrific agony. Hallelujah. We have come to punish them before their time. It says in John 13, uh, 14, 13, and 14, 12, 13, and 14, John 14, 12, 13, and 14, it says, and greater things than these will be they do us because Jesus has gone under the father praise his holy name. And guess what time it is. Now is the time. That's the reason why the Lord wanted me to do the prayer vigil. It wasn't so we could all not that, that it not that we shouldn't get together and do it and praise God, worship him together, read scriptures together, take communion together. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Definitely want to do that as much as possible. However, Raising up more and more prayer warriors, helping them to understand that now you're investing those prayers that you're spending, those time when you're that, that spiritual warfare tactics that you're using, those are real. The people are being saved around the world. When you're praying for somebody to to have dreams and visions of Jesus, and you're praying down those um, angels into their presence while they're sleeping, these are, people are being saved. It's actually happening. When you're calling down the fire of God, you're burning principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in, their, in, in high places. They're, they're being burned by the fire of God. You actually have more power as a result of your prayers when you can't see it because you are praying out of faith. God gives more power to you and your prayers because you're praying out of pure faith. 
And so that fire that you're calling down, fuego upon these demons of darkness, that fire is actually hitting them in the spiritual realm, which is referred to the, as the air, and you're bringing down, it's like, it's like an air assault. It's like an air assault, okay? And and um and you know and and praise Jesus for that. And guess what? It leads to. I don't want I don't want this to be a message that says, oh gee golly, I can get a bigger mansion if I do this. No, you can't. You can't. If you think like that, you're getting diddly. You're getting diddly. That's why it's vitally crucial that you get on your knees and you pray and you ask the Lord to fill you with uh, adoration and love for him. Fill you with adoration and love overflowing for the people around you, for the people of the world, for the people that are lost. Because then your prayers are coming out of love. And when your prayers and works on behalf of the kingdom come from love, that's when you get rewards. That you shouldn't even care about the rewards. The only reason I'm bringing them up is to use them as examples to help you understand that you are making an investment. It's not just that you're praying for people out of love and praying for people because you've been admonished by the Scripture and the Lord Jesus to do that, but also because it's effectual. And you're saving people's souls, and you're changing people's lives, whether you can see it or not. Blessed is he who believes and has not seen, Jesus said to Thomas. Praise God. Okay, so this is very important. I just wanted to share this with you, and I wanted to say a special word of thanks to all of you who had, had emailed me. Um, as a result of the prayer vigil show that is entitled Prayer Vigil and Communion Service Bracket Prayer Teaching, Comma, and Testimony. Praise Jesus. Um, uh, the feedback was amazing. Uh, it touched me emotionally and uh, was very, very encouraging. And I just wanted to say God bless you all. Thank you all so much uh, for uh, taking the time to do that. Hallelujah. Right, kids? All right, kids, hallelujah. Praise God. Kids, what did the burrito say to the taco? Did the burrito say to the taco? <laughs> Where you been? <laughs> you know? Where's your beans? <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, it makes me hungry for Mexican. I haven't had Mexican in a while, but you can't really have Mexican when you're doing keto because you're not allowed to have the bean thing. I'm like on permanent keto. I was going to do Weight Watchers, but... I got to get back on keto. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, kids, next one. What was the ghost's favorite dessert? What was the ghost's favorite dessert? It was ice cream. <laughs> kids, you like that one? What do you think? Oh, you don't you don't like you don't like to hear about ghosts. Okay. Well, I'm totally cool with that. I understand it. I deserve it. All right, praise God. Hallelujah. Next one up. Kids, what's the best thing to put into apple pie? What's the best thing to put in an apple pie? What is it? Uh, apple pie seasoning, cinnamon, nutmeg, which, you know, apples maybe? How about your teeth? <laughs> <laughs> your teeth right into the apple pie? Okay. All right. Praise God. I'll take that and run with it. Hallelujah. And on that note, let's go into the news and then we'll bring on Brother Gary. Hallelujah. Love, love it when Gary joins us. We learned so much. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. 
Headline says, now web giants face fraud and hate crime crackdown. Online safety bill will force firms to protect users. Now then, I'm leading the news with this particular headline because this is absolutely horrific, but you don't know it if you don't get how it works. Now, I I could read it to you, the whole thing. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to summarize it for you instead. In the United Kingdom, they are running into their parliament a bill. They have fortified the bill and made it extra, extra, extra strong. Okay? So wherever it was, it's like ten times worse. Basically, they're claiming that this is in the interest of protecting the people. Because they don't want information to make it out on the Internet that could hurt people because it's not true. And they are making it a criminal offense. So not only do they fine the um, big tech companies, big do- you know, millions of dollars, whatever the n- numbers are. I don't know what they are, but it's big money. Not only do they find the big tech companies if they don't censor the information, but they're going after the people that put the information up in the first place, and they're going to, and it's a crime. We're not talking about, you know, oh hey, you got a fine, you know, we're going to fine you fifty dollars, you know, like a civil fine or whatever, like a ticket, you know, like a traffic. It ain't like a traffic ticket. It's a criminal offense. What that means is if this grows, if if this gets through the UK Parliament, these things have a way of kind of spinning out of control. So can you imagine it gets through the UK Parliament, then something similar gets adopted and pervade or pushed out from the European Union. Now all the European Union states are subject to it as well. When that occurs, then the United States of Babylon the Great and other countries will jump on the bandwagon, and it's just like privacy law. It's contagious. I'm, I'm warning you folks, and I'm concerned about it myself, because if this continues to grow, they're going to be coming after me. They're going to be coming after all the people that you listen to or whatever out there on BitChute or whatever. Uh, or wherever, it doesn't really matter, and they're going to use it, and they're going to, these are going to be criminal offenses. You hear what I'm saying? You know, punishable by so many years in jail and all that kind of thing. All right, are you with me here? So basically, if you go out and you tell somebody, even though the the entire state of New Hampshire is running a bill through their Congress to uh, make it 100% legal to give ivermectin to people that have COVID, doesn't matter if these people that are, you know, whatever, you know, the, 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 what they call members of parliament, MPs, if they decide that you can't use the word ivermectin and you bring it up, 
you can be brought in front of the justice. You can be accused of a crime, and you can be put in jail. Lose your house, lose your job, and lose everything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, think. Now you might see big tech. Okay, so that includes Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, blah, 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 that kind of thing. No. No. What will happen is this will grow like a cancer against the Fourth Amendment. This will grow like a cancer, and it will include everybody. It'll, it, it has already included Amazon Web Services, AWS. They, they, have, they clamped down. Remember what happened with the, with the whole thing about the, uh, the election fraud? Amazon Web Services was like getting rid of websites that they didn't like. I mean, I could go in and list them all out, but at the end of the day, it's irrelevant. The point is it grows like a cancer, and they're gonna, they'll ultimately end up going after every single GoDaddy website hosting facilities. I mean, pretty much if you don't have the web server in your house with a, with a fixed IP address, they're going to come after you. This is where this is heading. I wanted you to know about that because of all the headlines that I was able to collect over the last several days for tonight's show, this one is the most horrific because of the potential, or I should say the likelihood, that this will spin out of control far, far beyond any of the concerns that anybody has in Canada, Austria, Australia, trucks, you know, blah, 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 blah. This is the worst news of all right here. And this might actually be the reason why Jesus warned us in the Olivet Discourse that many of us would be taken before magistrates. Don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will be, you know, come over you and you will say the words that I want you to say kind of thing. So again, this is it. This is the, the, the headline of the night. Praise God. Next one up. Hallelujah. All right. Sunday, the Time News says, our fascist leaders declare Ottawa under siege amidst nationwide insurrection. So, again, uh, there's, you know, if you really wanted to go out and search on all things anti-COVID protests and all that kind of stuff, the epicenter of all things anti-COVID protesting right now, as of today, is in Canada, you know, with the truck the truck thing, okay, the truckers and all that. And they're making a humongous deal out of it, and that's fine. That's fine. Praise God. Um, but remember, there are 243 countries if you include the island nations. So this is, a, you know, and there's only 35 million people in Canada. That's about the population of the state of California, okay? I'm not downplaying Canada. I, I love Canada. I wanted to move there. I wanted to live in Alberta really bad, up by Banff, uh, you know, uh, Banff, Canada, nearby uh, Lake uh, St. Louis or whatever they call it. Uh, but, you know, because it's just beautiful. It's, gore- it's just glorious. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, this is the big deal right now. Instead of people marching in the streets by the tens of thousands in Germany and France and all that other stuff, now a lot of those countries are turning off all of their COVID restrictions. Returning to business as usual, everything's normal. And the epicenter of all things protest is now in Canada. All right, so that's very fascinating. But how long that's going to last, we have no idea. Praise Jesus. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. All right, can, uh, Canadian capital declares state of emergency over the Freedom Convoy. Okay, again, another report um, declaring a state of emergency reflects a serious danger and threat to the safety and security of residents posed by the ongoing demonstrations and highlights of the need for support from other jurisdictions and levels of government. So, you know, again, it's it's, it's very similar to the Black Lives Matter 
stuff that was going on here in Babylon the Great. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. All right, headline, the United States accuses Russia of planning a false flag operation. We've been hearing about this now for the better part of about a month now. A false flag operation against the Ukraine using graphic propaganda video. Okay, so they're actually making these announcements supposedly from the Pentagon uh, at the White House briefings, the news briefings right now. So they're really pushing it. Now, whether or not any of it is true or not, who knows? Probably not. But they're they're gonna you know they're they're gonna create the narrative they're gonna con, you know keep on saying it over and over and over and over and over again so everybody believes it because that's how the Hegelian dialectic works and we're all gonna sit there you know going like this you know 1984 <laughs> what am I gonna do how can I comply show me where to sign yeah all right next one up. Austria signs into law strict COVID-19 vaccine vaccine mandate. So Austria is where they had fines up to 3,600 euros, which is, you know, over $4,000, that they were going to just start fining anybody. If you you didn't have your vaccine, we're going to fine you. But what's really weird, again, at the same time this is happening, we've got 12 other countries in the European Union that that have turned off all of their COVID restrictions. So strange. The things that are happening across the world are so strange. And are the entities of darkness going to allow the midterm elections to occur? The reversal of 100% of all of the evil that they've implemented? Because that's what will happen. It's just, I don't know. I'm starting to think General Wesley Clark might be right. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. The BBC News reports Boris Johnson rocked by wave of number 10 resignations. So a whole bunch, when they say that, they basically mean their parliament uh, and a bunch of people are resigning, which is exactly what's happening here in the United States of Babylon the Great. We have over 20 uh, Democrats that are resigning their positions and saying, I've had enough of this noise. I'm out of here. I'm going to get out while the getting's good. And will somebody please give Boris Johnson a brush? Good Lord, how is it that anybody can have such messy hair and run a country? Anyway, that drives me nuts. Somebody give him a brush. And, you know, I don't know, say Merry Christmas in Jesus' name or something. Hallelujah. Next one up. All right, praise God. Wall Street Journal reports cyber attacks on News Corp, which is one of the co-owners of Fox News, which is, you know, co-owned by News Corp, which is Rupert Murdoch, which we know what he is. He's one of these entities that uh, Brother Gary Wayne is going to be talking about. Um, People, I have a photograph of him in the back of a limousine coming out of the Bilderberg meetings, and his hand was shape-shifted. He was a reptilian hand. Uh, But anyway, um, cyber attack on News Corp uh, believed linked to China targeted emails of journalists and others. Okay, so all kinds of creepy weirdness stuff. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it, it seems like we're in a lull, but we're not. Things are actually getting worse in an exponential manner, logarithmically. But because everybody isn't freaked out and wearing masks and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, I mean, the only thing we got left is the, is the truck apocalypse up in Canada. Other than that, pretty much Australia has been beating in the submission, and they're getting ready to fine old people in Austria, but that's about it. Everybody else is kind of like going back to business as usual. And it makes us all think, you know, up front that, you know, hey, everything's okay, but it's not. It's like sleight of hand. All right, next one up. Israeli study offers strongest proof yet that vitamin D's power fight COVID, et cetera, et cetera. Israel's actually the poster child for all things, you know, 
worst case scenario COVID because they're like on their fourth booster kind of thing. It's, it's awful. Just awful. Next one up. Praise God. Trump is facing criminal investigation into his conduct. Court buildings are bracing for violence and chaos. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, no. Another headline. Listen to this study finds that more aggressive HIV strain discovered in the Netherlands. But experts say no reason for panic. <laughs> Rubella, smallpox, chemical weapons everywhere, mustard gas. But don't worry. Don't worry. Just wear your mask and be kind and nice to everybody. Next headline, Russia Today reports China reveals a position on NATO expansion. No surprise there. They're not going to they're not gonna stop until they start World War III. World War III is the goal, and they're getting real close to it. Another headline, Canadian government decides whether to use military to deal with the truck apocalypse. Dun, dun, dun. Beep, beep. You know, it's like, hey, get those truckers. Another headline from CBN News, contempt toward Americans who prioritize their faith. 55 United States agencies now tracking religious exemption requests. So the summary of this report is basically that, hey, if, you, if you're one of those wacky people out there that decided you didn't want to take the, you know, and get a hydra injected and all kinds of, you know, strange metallic nanoparticles, you know, and all that, well, they're keeping a list. But but who would think they wouldn't? I mean, come on. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You know, the red and blue list information was leaked out by CIA operatives back in the late 90s. All right. So nothing new here. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. Next one up. The United States Army begins immediate discharge of soldiers who refused a COVID-19 vaccine. You know what? It wouldn't be so bad if they were doing that. What's really not acceptable is that they're giving them like really not, you know, like bad conduct discharges or disarm. That's bad. That That's like taking, you know, that that's like a felony. That's bad. Um, anyway, praise God. Next one up. Breitbart reports, Ottawa expects surge of trucker convoy protests this weekend. So again, worldwide, 243 countries and Canada with 35 million, roughly 40 million, 35 to 40 million people, in the, you know, which is about the size of the state of California. And right now, the largest COVID um, event, you know, protest in the world is in Canada, the truck apocalypse. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to this. Oklahoma bill will fine teachers $10,000 for teaching anything that contradicts religion. Dun, dun, dun. Nurse claims Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau COVID-19 vaccination was faked and points out all sorts of red flags. Okay, if anybody out there is surprised by that headline, <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes I just feel like I, you know, I can hardly keep it together to even read these headlines. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, too many, we've been doing this too long. And the very idea that they're even putting these headlines out is like. <sighs> anyway, on that note, let's bring on Brother Gary. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go.
Praise God. Brother Gary, are you there? I am, and uh, so happy to be with you. I can't believe how many headlines from my home country uh, you were repeating there, and I only have really one thing to say to that is keep on trucking, and if you're not, start trucking. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, no, no, that's punny. That's very, very punny. I love that. <laughs> I know. You know, we have 240 well, you, countries, 195 major countries, and Canada is like the the COVID, uh, 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 the, the COVID, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, you know, the epicenter of all things rebellion worldwide with the truck apocalypse right now. It's just, it, if it doesn't make you smile, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just kind of, I mean, I, go, go truckers, you know, but uh, in the grand scheme of global insanity, it's just one more checkbox, you know, it's crazy. Yep. Yeah, uh, it, it, it is crazy. And, uh, you know, I'm awfully proud of uh, the people that are out there protesting and it's growing and I think it's going to continue to grow. And, but, you know, we have a, we have a prime minister up here who, you know, says he won't, meet with racist and bigoted uh, white supremacist people like uh, the truckers and people who don't take vaccines. So it may not go on very long, but, you know, he did meet with, you know, a terrorist group um, and an anarchist group that caused all sorts of problems that is quite famous as in BLM. And it's like, you know, you, you're, you're prepared to meet with an extraordinary extreme group who's obviously corrupt with even the monies that went into them. He makes sure that they're defunded through the same platform that had to be reversed today, which was just a, an unbelievable um, piece of tyrannical application of hubris overreach to try and do that. But uh, and you know you're, you're going to you're going to not meet with the people that have legitimately protested without violence in any sort of way, and you're not even going to talk to them. And he's in hiding. It's like you know you don't realize how horrible and weak of a leader you are. You have until he hits some of these crisis periods, and as weak and as horrible as I thought he was before, I had no idea he could go that low. I, I didn't even know you could measure that low, but that's where we are. But I hope, I hope people keep on trucking. And I've said this about, I don't know, probably on six or seven shows in the last week. And I'm wondering when YouTube will banish, banish either truck apocalypse that you're saying or keep on trucking. But I expect both of those will be racist terms within a couple of weeks. Oh, you're absolutely right. As a matter of fact, what creeped me out, I was doing some, um, so, so the, <clears throat> for lack of a, you know, I don't really have appropriate terminology. I can't nail it all down, but I can say this. It appears as best as I can tell uh, that the head of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, who's nothing less than an Operation Paperclip Nazi, and, and, and it's very overt. I mean, he's very open and straight up about who he is, what he believes in, that he wants uh, businesses. He wants a fascist uh, Nazi global government. And he's, and he, oh my goodness, he doesn't use the Nazi word. But he uses every other word that actually captures 
what the Nazi government was. Okay, so Klaus Schwab is one evil, evil, seething, seething evil entity, okay? And what scares me is that, you know, Trudeau and, and Klaus Schwab, were, you know, were so close, you know, buddy-buddy, huggy-wuggy, okay, publicly buddy-wuggy, you know, I mean, I mean, the only thing I didn't see them do was French kiss, okay? And, and yeah. you know what's really scary? is Donald Trump is also very pally-wally with Klaus Schwab. So that calls into question his legitimacy, because it wouldn't be the first time evangelical Christians were played the fool. You know what I mean? So um, I, I, I was looking at some videos of uh, last year or two years ago, the World Economic Forum, and boy, uh, Trump and Klaus Schwab were like high-fiving and hugging and just, you know, oh, well, I, just, I just love you. And I'm like going, what? <laughs> Do you have any idea who you're speaking <laughs> you Imbecile. But anyway, you know, if how if you can't if you can't have a sense of humor today, I don't know how you can get through this stuff. This is just yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's important to to watch what people say and what they do and how that matches up. And if they start doing things that are like monsters do, then no matter who they are, you can't support them. You can't vote for them. And I know sometimes you you get a you know, sort of a bi uh, you know lateral only two choices, but and sometimes you may have to vote for the worst of of all evils, but you're still voting for evil. If that's 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 what you do. So, you know, hopefully uh, Trump isn't a globalist, but he had he did nothing to really stop the globalist movement. The only thing that uh, President Trump did was try and create a larger, more important position for the United States in the new world order that's coming. So. I think people need to keep things in context. And so if he was saying we're going to break away from the world, we're, we're, we're just going to be doing anything within the country, we're not going to participate, that, that'd be a whole different thing. But when you are actually just sort of maybe it's slower steps, but you're moving in the same direction, my advice for people is, is anybody who's globalist, you need to be telling yourself that these are people that are going to persecute you and you need to you need to be that clear on 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 how you analyze things and you know our our prime minister he is uh he's he he's born of the bloodlines and uh you know he's his family and he are you know pals with uh with Castro when he was still around and he's still best friends with the Aga Khan of Sufi mysticism, and uh, as I say, he comes from the Sinclair bloodline that uh, created uh, modern Freemasonry. So right out of Scotland. So they they are who they are, and we need to recognize them. And everything they say is a lie and a deception. So um, we have to, we we have to be prepared to stand up, but in a way that reflects what we believe and what we can do and not do anything that's going to deteriorate uh, our reflection of our, of our redeemer and Christianity as a whole. And we need to invite people into learning about what we believe and why we believe that not 
chase them away. So we need to do it in the right way. We need to be Jesus-like in our representation in terms of our protests. Uh, voice first, you know, voiceful but peaceful. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And you know, I, again, I I think I say on every single show, you know, Philippians three twenty, you know, our citizenship is in heaven. We got to keep on reminding ourselves not to get you know not to be wrapping ourselves in our local country flags as much as we should be. Un, un, uniting as uh, you know, as we are admonished to in the Scripture, as one body uh, in Christ, and really just kind of recognize the fact that we're sojourners. We're not staying here. We're not a part of this. You know, re, re, you know, reminding ourselves of the admonishment in the Book of James. It says that if you're friends with the earth, you're at enmity with God. And I, I don't know about you, but that's the last person in the universe I want to be at enmity with. So, um, you know, I'm steering clear of all this stuff and just making a note of it. Um, You know, I can understand the concept of voting for the lesser of two evils if one were to vote. Um, But I don't know. I think I think I don't know. We're just going to have to keep our heads down, really. I, I've been telling people that I'm, you know, getting, getting a lot of emails. You probably get them too. Uh, people telling me that they're being persecuted, you know, by their family, they're being yeah. attacked, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you can be careful what you're saying out there nowadays. Yeah. You know, right now, for example, it, you know, I mentioned the fact that I, I had to my vermectin and I was going to take it because I thought, I'm, you know, I, I might have been exposed to the Omicron thing and I was just going to be careful. And I mentioned it to my daughter and man, you would have thought, I mean, I got the feeling from the tone of her voice that she was like wanting to report me to somebody because she thought her dad had lost his ever loving mind and she was trying to protect me and have, yeah. like, you know, the men in the white coats come and rescue her dad. You know, I mean, it's we live in dangerous times right now. Yeah, yeah we are. And our media and uh, the left wing governments that are in power and the globalists, if they're saying they're right wing and are in power understand is they're the ones who promote misinformation because that's a classic example of all the misinformation that they put out that they refuse to recognize, you know, therapeutics like ivervectum and, you know, fluvoxine and monoclonal antibodies and on and on and on that was reducing um, the death rate um, with caught early enough um, in, in hospitalizations from 50 to 90 percent, depending on on which product that you're looking at, and the governments wouldn't permit it. They, it would seem like it was a ritual slaughter. I mean, it was like we're not, we're gonna we're gonna force vaccines uh, until they come, and if they don't come, more people die. But we're not going to do therapeutics, and even when they have vaccines, they still don't want to do therapeutics. I mean, it's like. You, you couldn't write this um, and be believable if you were writing a futuristic apocalyptic time. And I think these are all signs of the end time that we're seeing things that we thought were not possible to happen. Yeah, and like Glenn Beck says, and he's right, no one ever... No one ever uh, gets, you know, gets arrested. I mean, I, I, you know, you see Rand Paul, you see, what was that? I forget the name of the the other senator, but Paul and another senator, they are going after, they they pretty much said if they get full control of the House and full control of the uh, Senate, um, that they're going to take Fauci out. They're going to put him in jail. They're overt about it. They're very overt. And I'll tell you what, if. I don't believe that they're going to be able to do it because he is part of what I call the global satanic crime syndicate. And it's, yeah. they're untouchable. 
they're untouchable. You, you you think you think you can take them out. You got the goods on them. You got unimpeachable evidence, but somehow they never ever get arrested. They get yeah. away with it every single time. Yeah. It's just so creepy. But anyway, I'll I'll. I'll be quiet now and turn the mic over. Thank you for joining us again. We love it when you come on the program. Thank you, Gary. Terrific. And I think uh, it's an appropriate topic tonight, what we're sort of leading into. It's kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah on Earth that we have going on right now on a global scale. And Chapter 24 is Sodom and Gomorrah. So I'm going to start with uh, the... uh, verse that I opened the chapter up in my book in chapter 24 of the Genesis 6 conspiracy, just to sort of lay out some context here that I don't think people pay enough attention to in terms of the Sodom and Gomorrah story. And it says, then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and so grievous that I will go down and see what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. God had to go down to the earth to see whether it was as abominable as the outcry. I can't imagine that. What would cause such an outcry be so abominable that God has to go down and witness it through the angel of the Lord himself. But just uh, it's an amazing statement, but it is a foreshadow of the end time. And if we don't understand that, we even though I know we can't totally imagine what's coming, we can see as the as the sorrows get stronger what that looks like. And what we see as bad as it is today are the beginning of those sorrows, as Jesus warned us about as part of the three overarching signs and. We're going to talk about another one in relativity to Sodom and Gomorrah. And we need to understand that Sodom and Gomorrah is a such an important event that it's recorded in not just Judaism and not just Christianity and not just in Islam, but in Gnostics and other religions around the world that were aware of it. And it's alive with different understandings of what is, is, is to be taken from Sodom and Gomorrah, which is, again, an extraordinary lesson for what we're about to go into. And so I'm just going to cover off a little bit about why we need to understand what happened at Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain and the entire context of it, because it is an allegory that is used throughout prophecy. And so we have to understand it if we want to really understand what we're going to be up against and how we're going to help people to come to Jesus when the whole world is saying, go the other direction. So I I, I won't spend a lot of time. I just want to make people aware of how much it is uh, known in prophecy. So starting in Isaiah, you know, 1-9 and, you know, the beginning of basically the book of the prophets uh, in the first chapter, it's into prophecy of what's going to be happening going forward and basically in in isaiah 1 9 it's talking about the rulers of sodom and gomorrah and i'm going to be talking about them tonight um the rulers of sodom and gomorrah it's referencing and this is the beginning of the prophetic allegory so we need to understand who those rulers are and this is after sodom and gomorrah has been destroyed and 
this is also a reference to the religion that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah that we have to understand what that religion was as it relates to end time Babylon and the kings that are coming in end time. So it's the rulers, it's the religion, what was going on, and why such an extraordinary destruction by fire that is remembered around the world and then again referenced in Jesus's overarching days of Noah sign that includes in Luke that I'm going to come back to not only as in the days of Noah but also in the days of Lot and we need to we need to understand that so and that goes on in Isaiah in chapter 3 8 9 where Jerusalem is ruined and Judah Judah has fallen and Jerusalem is kind of described as Sodom-like in its abominations from the worship of God and the ways of God. And Judah will, will fall. Uh, it is a prophecy for the destruction of Judah and Jerusalem. And that their deeds are against God. And this happens in the time of Nebuchadnezzar. So this is several hundred years later. And it has the same overlay into the end time and that the sin of Judah is like Sodom and Gomorrah and Jerusalem is the center of the Southern kingdom. It'll be the center of prophecy throughout the end time. It is something that we need to understand the relationship of Jerusalem to understand the times. And we're in those times of that fig tree generation, which is the other third overarching sign that Jesus provided in his oration to the disciples, to the signs of the end time and his coming. And it's, it's a reference to how those who oppress the children of God. So when we look at the tribulations for the end time, we need to understand what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. And in Jeremiah 23, the prophets of Jerusalem are looked at in disdain as though they were the same people as the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. So these are the false prophets. Not only in that period of time, but they'll have the false prophets in the end time, and there'll be false prophets in Jerusalem in the end time as well. So we're going to have to be able to discern. And in Jeremiah 49 and 50, it has Edom and Babylon being destroyed in the end time, like Sodom and Gomorrah so that it will be a place of wild beasts, just as you have that destruction of Babylon in Isaiah 13, and then the Armageddon battle at Isaiah 34, where several countries that Daniel 11 talks about, with the destruction of those countries in the last three and a half years. And they're all going to be destroyed like Sodom. And the end time is, is very much... Uh, a time of taking care of all of the things that have happened throughout history and the crimes against humanity, which is why we'll be raised in the future time to judge those fallen angels who committed crimes against humanity. And in Ezekiel 16, uh, 46 to 51, it's also compared to Jerusalem, is compared to the sister Samaria. And Sodom as another sister and their daughters, just as in the daughters of Babylon. And here's some of the traits, pride, haughtiness, um, 
committed abominations, uh, probably drank blood, did all sorts of other kinds of, of rituals that the polytheist mystical religions um, would do. But it's, this is also a end-time reference as well, because it says that God remembers his covenant and he will renew his covenant in the time of that Sodom-like time in the last three and a half years. So he's going to be bringing Israel and Judah back into the covenant once they see the sign and they recognize the one that they pierced. And I don't want to get too far into prophecy on it, but I just wanted to start talking about some of these things, why we need to understand the references of the allegory. Because we need to understand prehistory and its allegory because it gives us the context for end-time prophecy. And in Amos, we get, um, you know, the kinds or the bulls of, of, of Bashan that are overthrown in the end time like Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's really, really important to, to, to understand. I'm going to read a passage that's going to be relevant as, as we talk a little bit more here about what happened at Sodom. Is I'm going to read Psalms 21, 9 through 11 because most people don't sort of connect this this passage, but it's a fabulous passage, and that's Psalm 21, 9 through 11. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. So like Sodom and Gomorrah, with that destruction, which is why Luke was connecting that in as part of the days of Noah, verse 10, their fruit. Their fruit shall be destroyed from the earth and their seed from amongst the children of men. There is a seed out there that is going to be destroyed in the end time. And this is a seed that was very, very active in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's why I talked about these bloodlines of these giants. We're going to tell, tell you how they're connected in there in, in a few minutes. And so in, in verse 2111, for they intended evil against thee, and they imagined mischiev- mischievous device which they are not able to perform. So they're conspiring and fighting against God from their complete, absolute history. And then let's look at a couple of New Testament passages so that you know what I'm talking about. I've referenced Luke 17, verses 28 and 29. It'll be light the days of Sodom as in the days of Noah. So we have that destruction by fire, just as you have destruction by water and the flood in the times of Noah. That's referencing the end time destruction by fire and linking the apocalypse and why the days are similar. And in 2 Peter 2.6, you have a reference to uh, the time of the angels and Lot. And when Lot is vexed by a filthy conversation that we're going to come back to what that conversation sort of meant and put that in 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 context and in jude 1 7 um, sodom's service uh, serves as an example for those who suffer the internal punishment by fire and so all of this is context that we need to keep in mind as we start to look at the Sodom and Gomorrah story, and I cover a lot of details in chapter 24, and I'm going to hit some some of the major points just so that people get a good feel for it. So, this this is a time that of the gen, of the Sodom and Gomorrah destruction that falls just after the War of Giants in in Genesis 14, and what has happened is is that 
for context is, is Abraham is called out from Ur, which is obviously a very much a polytheist culture of mysticism and with cities of Ur and Uruk and all the major sort of cities of, of ancient Sumer. And Uruk is in there, which is, you know, where Gilgamesh is, is a king in the sixth generation and, and not that much previous to the to the time of, of, of Abraham, very, very similar to the time of Abraham. And so you have Abraham moving from Ur into the Hebron area, Kiriath Arba. And Arba is the city of Arba, as that is understood in Hebrew. And Arba is the patriarch of the Anakim, who are Raphaim, as they're defined in Deuteronomy 2. These are giants. He has moved into a nation that overflows with giants and giant hybrids. And he is involved shortly thereafter with the outcome of the Sodom and Gomorrah and the giant war that's recorded in Genesis 14 because he's going to have to rescue Lot from the Assyrians, from the Mesopotamians, the alliance of five kings, and I think they're giants and giant kings, but that's for a later chapter. And he does so successfully, but even the people that he is gathering around them, these are chiefs from the Hebron area. These are, by their descriptions, Anakim, but I don't want to go too far down that. There's, there's bigger details in here that we need, we need to be covering off. So, it's the War of Giants in Genesis 14, and then in Genesis 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham to give him this land that is dominated by the Canaanite hybrids and the Raphaim nations. And he lists ten mighty nations, seven people are most familiar with, but in Genesis 15, we get ten mighty nations, and you get the first three that I'm just going to put on top, even though they come in the verse after. You have the Kenites, the uh, Kenizzites, and the Cadmonites. And they don't have patriarchs in the Bible. And they're listed before, if you tried to list them back with Kenaz, they show up before Kenaz shows up. So they can't be from him. It's like the nations listed in the war. And the war had the Emming in Genesis 14, the Amalekim. And again, they're there before Amalek is born. So these are the giants. You have the Zuzim and the Horim, and you have the kings of Canaan, of the Pentapolis city of Sodom, Gomorrah, and the cities of the plain. You also have the Amorites, which are also, which are also hybrids. But the Mighty Seven has Canaanites, Amorites, Girgashites, Hittites, and Jebusites, who are all hybrids. And then you have the Perizzites who do not have a patriarch and the Raphaim who do not have a patriarch listed in the Table of Nations in Genesis 10 or 1 Chronicles, just as Arba, the father, the patriarch of the Anakim, is not listed in the Table of Nations. This is a nation of giants. This is the area that Abraham moved with very few people around him with only the protection of God 
to be able to survive and not only survive, but thrive and earn the respect against these mighty monsters. And it's just an extraordinary sort of context to that's not taught in churches today in terms of the area that Abraham moved to. And it's very close to the Sodom and Gomorrah area. And the kings in, in Genesis 14, according to Josephus, were giant kings. And the Raphaim, which is the root branch coming from Rapha, I am the male plural, was the aboriginal nations before the Canaanites settled there. And so the Canaanites intermarried with these Rephaim as they moved in after Babel. So about 100 years or so after the flood, but the, the giants were there before. And that intermarriage produces the hybrids that I was talking about. And I know I've talked about that before on shows, but just so you know, the nations that I refer to are nations that are not only listed as taller than Israel, but separate from the Anakim and the legitimate part of, Deuteron- of Numbers 13, uh, as opposed to the embellished part in Numbers 13.33, because the Anakim were Rephaim, not Nephilim, as they're described in 13.33. That's an embellishment. We get the details reconfirmed in Deuteronomy 1 by Moses, and we also get it uh, reconfirmed in, in the book of Joshua. So we get support that these were people that were taller, but they were not the Anakim. They were not the Rephaim. And so you get the nine patriarchs of Canaan, who don't have a patriarch. Only Canaan is a patriarch. Sidon and Heth are the sons. They are a patriarch. But then you get nine other nations like the Amorites, like the Girgashites, like the Hittites. I'm sorry, not like the Hittites because they're part of Heth, the Jebusites. These are the hybrids. And so the Canaanite kings then, we need to understand also as being Raphaim kings. They would be the ones who led the people, the hybrids. And it would seem that the Canaanites and the, and the Hittites and the Sidonites, some of their offspring as well intermarried with uh, the Raphaim as well. And so we get these five kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we'll start with the first one, and that's King Bera. And that means son of evil in Hebrew. And the next one is uh, Bersha, which is which means wickedness and iniquity. So another son of evil, son of a fallen angel, probably because I believe in a second incursion. If not that, but another son of another a Raphaim. And you have Shinabab or Shinab, which means splendor of the father just as the giants were thought to be shining beings and uh, blonde hair and hazel eyes and red hair and blue and hazel eyes and, 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 and light skin. They were considered to be very, very attractive. And Shina means splendor of the father. And Shemeber um, <clears throat> means a lofty, and flight, so lofty as in um, up high, lofty as in being superior, lofty as in the fallen ones, as they're, all, they're also called from the Shemaim, the lofty ones, 
the ones of heaven. And then we also have a bila, which means to swallow up and destroy. You can read a lot into the names of the kings in the Bible. And so just from the names we get that these aren't just ordinary kings. These are part of the terrible ones that rule the earth. And these are the kings that were part of the Sodom area during the War of the Giants that, uh, you know, are defeated by the Assyrian army, but things go on and they become vassal kings again of the, of the Assyrians, but they're still ruled by the Raphaim afterwards. And the crimes of Sodom go up even even to heaven they're so horrible so as bad as they would have been in in Abraham's first move to to the land of the covenant to Canaan when he returns from Egypt it, it's even worse and the crimes are the same crimes of the Nephilim from before the flood that's the thing to remember and the Canaanites did the same crimes against God and against creation as was done before the flood and it includes idolatry and sexual crimes of every form and violence to strangers and blood drinking and they were proud as in ezekiel 16 talks and haughty because the nephilim were pride they believed in the power of themselves and and their gods against the true god of the universe this is a place where something more is going on there as we get into the, the Sodom and Gomorrah story. And so I want us to just throw in some things about what the Gnostics believe about Sodom and, and, and Gomorrah, that this was a city of light, cities of light, cities of knowledge, just as Gnosticism is a cult of knowledge. This is the shining cities. They were on a hill, the shining cities on a hill. And so when you get the allegories that come down through their their legomanism literature, like in the King Arthur tales, you get the Grail tales, you get the Cam Camelot. It comes from Camus, which means curved light and lot of Sodom. This is a reference to the giant's that's written into the bloodlines that are listed in the Grail Tales back to the giants and to the shining city on the hill, which is Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities. And the Gnostics at the time of Jesus, that Jesus was up against, and there was a lot of Gnostics. They included three major groups. They're the Cainites, the Ophites, and the Sethites. And Ophites means serpent. And of course, everybody knows who Cain is. Uh, and the, the Sethites are not the descendants of sex. This is Amakaseth. And they believe that Amakaseth was the offspring of a goddess named Barbella and, and a human male that created an additional set of giants, although sometimes they're conflated. There's other writings in Gnosticism that seems to suggest that there's two different creations of giants, not not biblical is what they believe in. I'm not promoting that. I'm just talking about what they believe. And that this seed was originally planted and created before the flood at Gomorrah. Not at Mount Hermon. 
and that if you really read what it says in the book of Enoch is, is the oath from the 200 was sworn at Mount Hermon, but they didn't necessarily create the giants there. And according to the Gnostics, Gomorrah would be a creation zone of the giants. But again, probably all of the cities and all of the cities were ancient cities in the Middle East for the most part that they inherited after the flood and just sort of renovated and, and rebuilt on. And so these these are the giants that lived there before, according to their lore and their history and their religion. And they resettled in those places to resettle their, their ancient cities. And these were the new cities of light, the new cities of civilization where polytheism thrived and all of the abominations also thrived. And they believe that after the flood, the seed of Amakaseth was replanted at Sodom. That Sodom is the second incursion location for the Raphaim giants after the flood. They also have gospels and literature and things that will say that giants survive. So that's, you know, they're, they're working with sort of two groups of giants. Whatever your belief is, they do show up after the flood. Again, I look at a second incursion, but I, I don't rule things out because we're not told explicitly that, you know, that there was that second incursion in the Bible. It's, we get terms like, you know, again, after in Genesis 6, but not, not, not that smoking gun verse that I would like, but I think all the evidence points to a second incursion is what I'm saying. And so this is the location for, for the Gnostics that after the, uh, after the flood is where the giants are recreated. And this is the Sodom and Gomorrah that is thriving after the flood. And this is the place where three angels, not three, but originally three angels go down and talk to Abraham, who are at first, you know, thought to be men. And they looked like men, and they interacted with Abraham. And one is the angel of the Lord. And so we understand from this that angels can take a physical body and that they can look like humans, and they can probably take any form that they want by extension thereof. And that Sodom is going to be destroyed, but God is going to send two of those angels to, to Sodom. And that they are going to have a look around to see what actually happened there and what is going on there and whether or not they should be destroyed from the face of the earth. And Abraham is pleading for the city that you can't destroy the city if there are people who are good and maybe some people that might believe in, in God, although it seems like the whole world except for Abraham and the small group around him are polytheists at this time. I mean, Abraham is this small little speck in an ocean of polytheism. But yet he's arguing for those few that might be good that are in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think we ought to be looking at that as saying, we're in this sea of Sodom and Gomorrah, of a new Sodom and Gomorrah, and we need to be looking for those people 
and trying to reach as many people as we can to to come back to Jesus and back to God and save themselves to reach uh, the resurrection and in, in, into immortality or survive into the millennium because there's going to be people who survive there as well. But the odds of that happening of people surviving into the millennium, it's not going to be good odds. So there's going to be a lot of death and destruction. And also important to understand then that as we talk about what's going to happen in the end time, that the Gnostics believe that this Amaka Seth that is incarnated twice, once before the flood and once after the flood at Gomorrah and then Sodom is going to be incarnated again in the end time. And it goes to these bloodlines. And that when we look at incarnation, what that means in polytheism is the avatar, avatar effect. Again, that I've talked about in shows past. Just as Satan goes into Judas to give him the courage to betray Jesus, that Satan is the avatar, the human is the avatar. And it's not a demonic possession. This is an angelic possession. And we get biblically that this can be done based on what Satan did. We need to understand that this is what's going to happen to Antichrist. And I'm not sure exactly when it happens, probably from when the abysses open as the son of perdition is connected to the one who comes up out of the abyss in Revelation 17. And in Revelation 13, Antichrist gets a mortal head wound. And Antichrist, as I present throughout my book, is going to present a pedigree of lineage that goes back to these post-Diluvian giants and maybe even to some anti-Diluvian giants. Whether or not all of these genealogies are legitimate or not, it's not the point. It's what they're going to do and what they and what they intend to do with their belief system in the end time that we need to be focused on. And there's going to be lies. They do nothing but counterfeit and deceive. But it's having the power to give this brainwashing information and pounding in through tyranny to get people to follow them is, is going to be what manifests out of all of this. We need, we need to understand that in terms of Sodom and Gomorrah, that there's a relationship there, not only prophetically with end time destruction, but from the adversaries as they're going to have an incarnation that they say is connected to Sodom and Gomorrah in what they call a Makaseth, which could be just sort of a an epithet or of a, a specific uh, angel or specific giant or just sort of a, I guess, maybe a collective term for uh, bloodlines of, of the giants that produces the beast kingdoms that I've also talked about in, in, in past sessions. And so end time Antichrist is going to be like these Raphaim kings of, of Sodom and Gomorrah in, in the end time. Now back to what we were talking about in terms of the Sodom and Gomorrah story with, with uh, Abraham. So he... Uh, gets a uh, he, God concedes a little bit of ground for Abraham for the passion of his plea to save 
the good people of, of Sodom. And of course, Lot's there. So, I mean, obviously that's going to be part of his concern. So the two, two of the angels that are, that look like men go to Sodom and visit with Lot. And again, they're recognized as men and they're eating and they're um, interacting in the physical world as they have the capabilities of doing. But then that's when things start to sort of change. And as the story goes, and everybody knows it is, is many of the people come there and they want to have the two men who they recognize as angels who have come to judge the city. So they know they're angels. Doesn't say how they know, but there's something that they're recognizing about these angels that they know that they're angels. And they want to have sex with them. And of course, Lot is absolutely... Um, beside himself on this um, and he even offers up his daughters and they reject that and so we take from that is that they want to have on the, on the standard sort of understanding here is, is that they want to have sex with these male these angels who have taken a male form which is sort of where that word sodomy comes from and that may be the case but I think we also need to understand that this was a place that possibly was the location of the second incursion, of the creation of the Raphaim after the flood. And in the same area where Nephilim, according to the polytheists, believe were created before the flood in, in a neighboring city of, of Gomorrah. And so they were familiar with this idea of having sex with angels. And as I cover off in, in, in my sequel, that book that will be coming out this year, is, is that there was a fertility issue amongst the giants. And so they would do, as in the Ugaritic text, rituals, fertility rituals, so that they could have Baal and, and Ashtaroth come back and or other Baalim to come back and create more Rephaim because they were having trouble producing between themselves. And they had to start bringing in some less pure bloodlines to reproduce. And also, over time, you can't continue to intermarry because you're going to get these diseases that the royales as in A-L, as in E-L, as in kings of God, as in kings of the fallen angels of Mount Hermon, they develop blood diseases uh, like hemophiliac disease or Habsburg jaw disease as a couple of examples of diseases if they didn't have some sort of new blood and new DNA coming into their, 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 uh, their family's genealogies. And so they had to, they had to do some of that. But the point of the matter is, is they're, they're asking to have sex with these angels. And what we don't know is whether or not they understood that not only could angels take a physical form, because they walked around amongst the humans before the flood, and then again right after the flood. And I think the Baalim, who created the second incursion, go to the abyss, as talked about in Jude 1.6 in um, Second Peter 2. And these are part of the beings that, that Jesus will speak to in First Peter when he's in the grave. So they know that the angels have the ability to do this. So are they wanting to have sex, have those angels have sex with some of their women? No, they're not suggesting that, even though they would know that 
they could do that. But they may also be wondering whether or not they'll change their form again and have sex with them to reproduce new giants. And so replenish that stock of the demigods that led them and gave them the protection and uh, it would be new new giants that would be larger and stronger than generational ones as they're starting to probably get smaller and less powerful through the generations. So, and if we think about that, that starts to make some sense as we look at what it says, you know, in Jude 1, 6. Now the angels left their first estate um, and their, their own habitation. And that's, that's the Hebrew word habitation, which is oiketarian. And it only comes up one other time for house in heaven in 2 Corinthians 5. And it means a dwelling place for the spirit. So they left their dwelling place for the spirit of spirit beings in heaven. And now they need a dwelling place for their spirit on earth, which is the soul and the body. And the spirit was made in heaven. And so that's how they're, how they make their DNA to be able to pass on is creating that oiketarian to hold their spirit. And when we look at the words that are being used in Jude 1, 6 and 1, 7, we get something that's really quite strange in the accounting of it. I'm just going to read it here. So, I'll start with the whole verse, but it says, The angels which kept not their first estate, but they left their own habitation, hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, because they're going to be going to the abyss to be held to go to the lake of fire. Verse 7, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example of the suffering the vengeance of the eternal fire. And then these are the rulers of Sodom, as Isaiah 1.10 is talking about, um, who are, are committing these sins, as well as the rest of the people, but on steroids with the kings, as, as, as the rulers of Sodom, Isaiah 1.10 talks about. But anyways, I digress. But what's interesting here is the strange flesh. Now, you can look at that from an English connotation and just say that's male on male, and that's why it's strange, and that's why it's abominable as what it's called in the the Leviticus laws. But so is creating giants is an abomination. It's a violation against the Holy Spirit and against the laws of creation and against God. And so... What does that word mean in Greek? Well, it means it's the uh, Greek word hetero. You know, the word that we get for heterosexual. And that starts to think, well, okay, well, maybe that's not homosexual. Maybe it's heterosexual. I'm not necessarily saying this is the sole meaning. I'm just sort of laying that out. And what it means is altered, different not the same nature, not the same kind. And when you have the word kind in the Bible used, it means a species and a race. So this, if you, if you were to substitute 
a strange race with flash. Now you start to get the sense of, of, of what's going on here is, is that they're wanting to have sex with a different race, which is, which is the angels. And if they thought that they could get reproduce the giants, that might be the goal that they were, that they were talking about. And when we talked about second Peter with a connection to these fallen angels and the time of Noah and, and the days of Noah, um, and they actually is utilized there as the days of Noah uh, in two Peter um, two six the time of angels and, and and this filthy vexed conversation is as as in the days of Noah the exact same words and in the days of Noah are the words that they, that Jesus used that I talked about earlier that describes the life of Noah six hundred years before. 350 years after the flood, which included uh, the, the Sodom and Gomorrah story and narrative, and that it includes giants on both sides. And it's the exact same words, the days of Noah were. These are the days of Noah that Jesus is talking about. That We need to understand that the, that the Nephilim or the Raphaim or their descendants thereof, or all of the above, are going to be part of the end times and part of this destruction of that race. As in Psalms 21.10, where he's going to destroy the fruit, their fruit from the earth, and their seed from amongst the children of men. So their offspring as their own fruit, and their seed where they've intermixed with the hybrids on earth that, that we talked about. And this still conversation that's going on as second peter talks about is unbridled sex wanton lasciviousness licentiousness as in sexually unrestrained immoral and beyond proper limits of rule so does that mean that went beyond just the homosexual aspect perhaps perhaps not but what we have to do is recognize uh, what was going on in the Thada and Gomorrah narrative and absorb that as we look at prophecy for the end time. And that concludes my chapter 24 on the Sodom and Gomorrah narrative. And I would have probably put a little bit more into it on the first go around than I do on the second book because I didn't realize that most people didn't really, I mean, they understand Sodom and Gomorrah comes up in end time prophecy, but they didn't really make those connections. And that's part of one of those things why I say, if you want to fully understand end time prophecy, you have to understand prehistory. Amen. Praise God. Are you still there, Gary? I am. All right. Well, thank you very much again for joining us for this, um, this, uh, this, this uh, I guess you'd, you'd almost refer to it as an episode, um, and, um, and, and again, uh, part 10 of this series, and very, very interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated by the concept of, uh, uh, you know, the Gnostic uh, references of uh, Sodom, uh, you know, the city of Sodom being, you know, a shining, well-lit, kind of a i mean it's just not how i would have imagined yeah. it but yet at the same time you know you see it from two different perspectives and um and uh it's just really really fascinating to uh 
to to get that perspective because you know I I all sure. I could imagine, you know, imagine from the Bible was that it was a dark evil kind of a sinister place, but in reality it it probably was what we would look up at you know nowadays as being probably a highly progressive. I mean, look look at the people that are in our government right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. These entities, these beings, these, you know, there aren't even enough letters in the alphabet to cover what all these things are. And they actually have positions of power in the government. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, I they mean, call, um, they call what they, they call Washington the shining city on the hill. <laughs> oh, my gosh. See, there you go. And yeah. and uh, Dimitri Dudeman, you know, when he was uh, brought over here uh, from Romania uh, by the angels that told him that he had to come here, um, you know, he, he was going from, you know, city to city in the United States saying, you know, this is Sodom and Gomorrah. This is Sodom and Gomorrah. This city will burn, you know, and, um, you know, it's it's so true. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, you might not have been able to see the the. Uh, the similarity but now wow i mean it's like you know any given time you're watching cnn pick your day it's kind of like you know an episode of uh gotham city (laughs) strange creatures and strange dress and straight oh my gosh I can't believe it. I mean, how how much worse is the Lord going to allow it to get before He pulls the big red lever? That's what I want to know. Because I I'm, yeah. I'm at my wit's end, but praise God. But thank you so much. Well, for and us. and well, and I was also going to say because you mentioned Gotham, and I won't go through a long dissertation on this, but they uh, the the polytheists they take the term Gotham as it connects back to Sodom and Gomorrah. And also a shining city as Gotham. And we talk about all of these creatures, understanding that Batman and uh, and all the superheroes are based on ancient giants. You start to see the connections. And just out of interest, I mean, if people want to know, there's two books that where, where I get a lot of this in terms of what the, the Gnostics believe. There, there are other references, but the main ones are the Three Stellies of Seth. And but the one that has the best is the Holy Book of the Invisible Spirit, chapter 66 through 74, and it just it's just mind-boggling. But you know, they they look at what they do as being children of light of a belief of life in the people who follow God as the dark ones. So you, one needs to understand their perspective and understand that um, they think they're the good ones. So we need, we need to be aware of that. I see at 29, they turn everything upside down. I know it's so creepy and weird. And isn't it fascinating how, um, you know, the laws, you know, the Patriot Act, it's not really about patriotism. It's about, turn, you know, it, 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 it's so like persecution. Right, exactly. <laughs> you take the title and you just flip it upside down and you go, oh, okay, now I know what it's about. <laughs> Inside out, like I say, everything's in and be, and as we're already seeing, it's going to be turned upside down and inside out. So, um, and they're going to do that with the Bible. They're going to turn what you thought uh, you knew about the Bible into what they say it means, and they're going to deceive a lot of people. They're going to turn it upside down and inside out. Yeah, it's already happening. Uh, unbelievable! Praise God. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Gary. We love it. Um, thank you. you. It's one of my, like I said, it's all all time favorite programs. I love to learn about the stuff. I know I get a lot of emails. Oh, and real quick, share with people again where they can go to get more information real quick before you go. 
Sure. The, if you want to uh, get more information on my book, I have a generous excerpt on all 98 chapters on my website. That's the Genesis6Conspiracy.com, Genesis6Conspiracy.com. You can contact me through contact the author icon there if you have a question or if you're looking to, to see some documents that I might have, like Second Incursion, where I walk through um, a, a lot of the things that I talked about tonight. Um, or just ask me a question, and I, I may take a couple of weeks, but I will get back to you. That's awesome. And yeah, don't get lost in that truck apocalypse up there. <laughs> anyway, God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you Wednesday night, Lord willing, 7 p.m. God bless you all. And uh, hopefully you had a peaceful weekend. And um, for those of you that have to still work in, uh, you know, in the uh, in the world of evil out there, uh, hang in there. Keep praying. Keep your head down. But be careful what you say to people. It's getting darker by the day, even though it doesn't. Sometimes it looks like we're in some kind of respite, but don't believe it. All right. Praise God. Thank you all for joining us. And uh, and have a good night. I pray that you all sleep well. All right. God bless you all. Thank you, Gary. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your grace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you, we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our minds, renew our souls Remove the scars from our past And be most righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride. Set her free. I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.